So I'm imagining an alternate timeline where, due to his crimes, A.C. Slater is going to be executed. Okay. I think probably because of the way that he had to drive his car backwards. I think he got in right. some kind of really probably. bad wreck and, like, killed a pedestrian or something. Probably, and yeah. So he was being tried for, right. for manslaughter, you know? Yeah. I will have you know, I had a dream last night <laughs> in, in which... I was in a car, and the driver was driving A.C. Slater style. Slater style. No way. Yeah, I did. <laughs> what was your reaction to that? Just a little sidetrack here. I, okay, I remember in the dream looking over and being like, what the fuck are you doing? And the, the driver... <laughs> Slatering, dude. Yeah, the driver was like, what do you mean? I always drive like this. <laughs> and I just calmed down in the dream. I was like, oh, okay. So, I mean, if he does it all the time, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, so. must know must know how this works. <laughs> anyway, tell me so more I'm about AC Slater. Yeah, AC Slater's last day on Earth. He gets his his final meal. He gets his um, yeah, whatever that final uh, Bible verse, whatever thing read to him. Uh huh. And they're they're finally taking him on that final long walk. Right. And they open the door to the execution room, and there sits the electric chair. <laughs> yep. And you know he's already, it's already conundrum for him. <laughs> he's already. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do they let him leave the world as he lived it? Does he get to Slater that electric chair? <laughs> I think I think I think he's so cool that they probably when he comes in, it's already turned around. Yeah, it's ready for him like that. Yeah. There and the executioner's just like, I'm sorry I have to do this. AC Slater. <laughs> he comes home after his long day of executing, and he's like, you know what? The man went out in style. He sure did. He did it his way. He went out with dignity. <laughs> like, I'm imagining there's protesters outside and stuff that are like, make him sit in it normal, like yeah. the rest of us, for what he did. <laughs> that bus full of children couldn't sit in a chair normal. <laughs> What? He killed a bus full of children? <laughs> but there's anti-protesters being like, let him, Slater, the yeah. electric chair. They're like protesting, chanting. Yeah. Let him die with dignity. <laughs> Sitting backwards in a chair. <laughs> I got to wonder about these things, you know? Yeah, I get it. And now, so are you, as you dig into the newest installment of Dead and Lovely, the ultimate podcast. Here with your host with the most, it's me, your good buddy, Uncle Ben. And me. In life, I was Hollywood <laughs> Steve. But now, my body is spread through the Hollywood hills. <laughs> what? Your lust for fame knew no boundaries. Right. <laughs> That's me. So now you've become Cenobot Steve. Cenobot Steve. That's me, everybody. <laughs> and on today's episode, we have such pods to cast you. Mm-hmm. That's Because we are talking about Hellraiser Blood Limes. Blood Limes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This mm-hmm. is the first one. I mean, because like all of them after this are Hellraiser and then some other title. This one has numbers, but also a a secondary title. Yes, it's true. Yeah. yeah. It's it's really bridging the gap between the first three and the following six. <laughs> How bold. Visionary movie, right? Here. Yeah, really. 
I think they quit putting numbers on them just because they were like, we want to distract you from how many swings we're taking at this franchise. Yeah. <laughs> like, Hellraiser, Hellworld. You're just like, is this the sixth one? I don't know. Maybe it is. Might be the fifth. I don't know. They've, only had, five bites. They've only had five bites at the apple. They're still working on the formula here. <laughs> But if you're like, Hellraiser 11 and it still sucks? God damn. <laughs> well, 11 is coming out this Friday, and we will find out if it still sucks. Yes. I, I certainly don't think it does from reactions so far. Yeah, I hope that you're right. I hope that we bring it back to the good old days of of, uh, of sex demons just running crazy all over the world because... Man alive. It's been a while since we had a good one. So I'm with you. I hope that this new one is killer. We'll probably be doing a, a mini-sode on that one next yeah. week after we both mm-hmm. watched it, too. So you'll get our first impressions on that thing right there. But if you want to get straight on to our thoughts about this, uh, uh, well, it, it is technically a movie. Um, <laughs> there's a timestamp for you down there in the podcast description. That way you can get right on to the movie review portion. But yeah. you're going to miss out on all the good stuff, as always. You so are, do because... That. Let me just spoil the movie review portion for you. This movie's bad. It's really bad. We're going to just dunk on it, like, a lot. So we're going to have our fun up front on the episode. (laughs) I mean, honestly, I have have a ton of positive things to say, but in the movie itself that you watch, boy, is bad. It's Um, real bad. But yeah, man, I I have actually had a week of, of watching some good movies. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What have you been up to? Man, I've had a pretty doggone busy week. I kind of can't believe that it's podcast recording time already. Uh, this time last week, I was in Nashville, my buddy oh, Joe. Oh, Nashville. And Vegas. our good buddy, Roger Dean Miller, the notorious, Ooh, notorious RDM. RDM. Man, him and that better half of his was just whining and dining us all yeah. over Nash Vegas. Went to that dang old cinema you've heard him talk about, that place where he's old head barkeep at. Tell uh-huh. you what. It's awesome. That place, Yeah, I tell you what, man, I tell you what, that's a place you want to go to to have an eat and have a drink. Yeah, several eats and drinks. Yeah, I I, uh, have always wanted to check it out. Every picture of every cocktail he's ever posted that he's made there has always made me be like, obviously, I want to go there and get a drink. Oh, yeah. You want to get that in your face as soon as you can. Yeah. So we had ourselves an awesome time, and then we went and seen Jeff Beck and ZZ Top playing over at the First Bank Amphitheater in uh, it's Franklin, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville. Uh-huh. Uh, my first time being at that venue. I think they just opened it this year. That venue is fucking incredible. If there is any show that's even remotely interesting to you that's at that venue, go see it. The place is like, it's like the Red Rocks of... East Tennessee. It's like this huge stone wall amphitheater. It's built in like an old uh, stone quarry. It's outdoors. Amazing, beautiful, great acoustics. Awesome. Um, It was was fucking great. It was really cool, obviously, to see Jeff Beck, who's one of the greatest guitar players that's ever lived, and uh, you know, Bill Gibbons from ZZ Top, who I could say the same thing about. I've been listening to ZZ Top my whole fucking life. So Uh it was pretty amazing, pretty surreal to get to see both those guys on one stage. It was fucking great it was an awesome show man yeah i'm uh, i'm glad you got to go check them out um now did they as we predicted were they mashing rope together dude they mashed rope them two old fellers <laughs> yeah tell you what they got their fingers around them ropes and they just mashed they on in front of everybody mm-hmm. in front of everybody they sure did yeah and, uh-huh. and the ropes they they stayed 
stiff the whole time. Yeah, it seemed like they had a little give to them. You know, yeah, they well, had a yeah. little give to them. Yeah, it's never going to be as, as strong as it once was. Mm-hmm, the rope, mm-hmm, I especially. mean. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Especially Bill Gibbons. He goes to he goes to, to bending them things around on you pretty often. It seemed to be pretty supple like rope when he mashed on it. Supple like rope. Yeah. 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 All right. Well there you it go. It was quite a sight. I'll tell you what, it's quite a sight to see. So I'm glad I got to see it. Um have also had a little bit of time to watch a movie or two, man. Yeah. Especially this weekend. We we took in a couple of flicks there while we was doing some housework and stuff. Man, we watched a dang old hokey pokey two. That second hocus pocus. Hokey pokey two. I was like, what the fuck is hokey pokey? <laughs> and how's it Original. got a sequel? <laughs> oh, hokey have you watched this two. yet? No, I haven't. It's pretty good, honestly. Okay. It's, it's not bad at all, man. It's not bad at all. Like, you know, you go into it pretty pretty skeptical, considering it's been like 100 years since the original, which we, right. we grew up with and watched when we was kinder kids and stuff. They didn't fuck it up too bad. I mean, was it as good as the original? No, but also I didn't watch this when I was a little kid, so probably right. part of it. You know, yeah. you don't have the nostalgia factor, but I, it was still I'll really fun. I guarantee you it's a part of it. I mean... At a certain point, we as as horror movie slash Halloween fans have to have the conversation that Hocus Pocus is not, in fact, a good movie. Okay, I've seen people spreading <laughs> this nonsense around. <laughs> Brandon Wood, I'm looking at you. He's not wrong. <laughs> He's not He's wrong. wrong. He's it's wrong. Not, it is not, in fact, a good movie. It is a movie that we all have positive associations with and... It's fun. But okay, you're missing the point. It's not a good movie. It's a great movie was the point ah, of that article. Ah, Did you even read it? You're just I reading didn't. the headlines and telling your own version of fake news, Steve. It's true. It's true. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm telling you that uh, watching Hocus Pocus as an adult, it really is just recognizing how weird it is that Sarah Jessica Parker wants to fuck kids and... Uh, also that the, the kids aren't as funny as everybody seems to think. <laughs> like, Dude. they're just kid actors doing kid lines. And I, I think Hocus Pocus is better than Halloween Town, but not okay. better than Ernest Scared Stupid. Oh, okay. See, now we're getting into a real, a real, you know, uh, death match right here. Now, right. this is where things get interesting. I'll have yeah, to kind of consider... They're Which in the same ballpark, right? Mm. Like those are all like similar in in tone and feel, but they're they're also like I mean, admittedly, even though I love Ernest Scared Stupid, it's not like a great movie. Again, we have differences in <laughs> thoughts here, Steve. Clearly <laughs> agree to disagree, all right? Okay. All right. All right. You know, it'd be boring if we disagreed all the time and you weren't that dead be, fucking yeah. wrong about stuff yeah. sometimes. Right. You know? <laughs> That's what keeps the, the chat interesting. It's when it you're is. wrong. And That's I'm right. right. Uh-huh. Okay? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Hocus Pocus 2, pretty fun, honestly. Like, cool. sit down and watch it with your kids. Watch the original. Watch that one. You'll probably have a pretty good time. Um, I know that I did. It was not that bad. Didn't let me down nearly as badly as I was thinking that it was going to. So, yeah, yeah. I'll call that okay. a win. Call it a win. That's cool. Um, I wanted to see a movie where... Uh, Tom Atkins got all kinds of female attention and probably is fucking an entire town. So I watched Halloween 3. <laughs> he, he's so 
so drunk in that movie, just all the time, right? Drunk and fucking. <laughs> just dude, just drunk, drunk and, and fucking. fucking. Yeah, that's, that's it. Tom Atkins, man. Tom Atkins, man, I yeah. swear. Yeah. Still a great watch. Love it. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, I, do you want to see Tom Atkins sober and virginal? I don't think so. I don't know where I read this, but I, 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 and I don't know that this is true, but I read somebody say that in, in the new Halloween movie, we're going to find out that Michael Myers is actually a robot. I saw this, and I'm kind of trying to decide like if I would be mad at that, or I'd be like, yeah! It makes sense at the very least. Yeah, like, I kind of, the more I think about it, the more I think I would probably be okay with this, because it would just make everybody so mad. It would. It would. It would make everybody so mad. Rightfully so. But also, I'd kind of be into it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i guess we'll find out soon enough because that's yeah, we out, what mm-hmm. in a week or two right yeah next week oh man i hope it doesn't suck but i think it's gonna suck but i hope i'm wrong i hope so too i mean next week we're talking about halloween kills which we both were very disappointed by when it came out but yeah maybe maybe we'll have a different perspective this time around but yeah maybe i don't you have know? high hopes for halloween no ends uh-uh but again, I didn't have high hopes for 2018 either, and it turned out being fucking yeah, great. Yeah, turned out so. to be great. So yeah, but maybe maybe, maybe we'll we're be wrong. surprised. Yep. Maybe kills is just the bowl cut of that trilogy. You know, it's like it's not the high and tight. It's not the long flowing locks. It's just right there in the middle. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. That's what it is. All right. I uh, watched a couple of classics. Watched some S Cream, which oh, is yeah. always fucking uh-huh. great I, I still love scream i keep waiting for it to kick yeah, in great. where i'm just gonna be like okay actually this is aging terribly and i don't like this movie anymore no nope. nah, scream's fucking great no nope. scream's awesome and uh we also watched the crow oh yeah yeah okay. getting gothy with it man yeah all right crow and i've up. uh definitely been jamming that soundtrack since then too the soundtrack <laughs> dude is is so fucking good it's so fucking good it opens with burn by the cure that yeah. song rules man got all kinds of other good stuff on there too so yeah just good old fucking 90s goth nonsense steve i remember uh i never actually saw the sequels to the crow mm, but i remember mm. the crow city of, was it city of angels Yes, was that soundtrack it? is great too. Um Okay, it, let me let me let me restate that. Yeah. <laughs> it it's has a soundtrack. <laughs> it has Rob Zombie's version of Boogeyman on True. it, which is That's fucking good. great. Yeah, and it has some good ones, some good songs on there, but there are definitely some others that are like, get out of Less here. good. All Less right. good, yeah. <laughs> but I, I remember that soundtrack with I like I don't even know why I had it. I never saw the movie. But anyway. Yeah, no, same. My brother bought it at a pawn shop, and we had never seen the movie, but we did listen to it pretty frequently. Yeah, same. So that's about all that I've been watching on, man. It's been a pretty hectic week over here trying to get all my my I's crossed and my T's dotted. What about you? Uh, Well, I got some uncrossed I's and a few undotted T's. (laughs) Good on (laughs) you. Um, I've been watching uh, some stuff that uh, has all, mostly all, turned out to be surprising. Okay. Um, watched a little movie called My Best Friend's Exorcism. This one was, oh. um, it's, it's based off a Grady Hendrix book, and I've only read one Grady Hendrix book, but I could tell while watching it, it was based off a Grady Hendrix book. Okay. Um, and 
It was okay. Not right, amazing. Yeah. I think they were going to watch it because Kate read the book a while back. And, yeah. And she really enjoyed the book. She said the book was like really fun and recommends it to people all the time. Yeah, I, I was watching it with um, with Anna, who had read the book, and she said there were a bunch of like weird, small changes that kind of kind of fucked with the story. But uh, overall, I mean, it was it was fine. I I had fun with it, and um, it's got that actress. Fuck, I can't remember her name, but she's in Castle Rock season two, okay. uh, and she's she's really good. I, I enjoyed it. It just wasn't amazing. Um. Then on on a Friday night we watched a movie called Absurd, which is a Joe D'Amato movie, which has a has a cult following and definitely had like a you know a number of cool moments in it, but it was kind of kind of boring for a screaming chat movie because it was just a ton of buildup, which kind of happens a lot with Giallo type movies, right? You know where it's a ton mm, of yeah. buildup to something real fucking weird. And if you're paying attention, it's worth it. But if you're in a group of people making fun of the movie, <laughs> it takes a while to get to the worth it part. And you're just like, eh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so absurd. Eh. But we watched a movie on set, uh, Sunday night called The Convent, which... I don't know that one. Okay. I picked it because Coolio was in it. Uh, R.I.P. Coolio. R.I.P. Man, yeah. damn. Young, young man who, uh, you know, had a huge impact in our teenage days. Lord, yes. Yeah. Uh, but definitely has been in some questionable movies. <laughs> so Absolutely. Yes. I thought... This movie will be fun for the the ice cream Sunday, but I also noticed on Shutter where it's streaming, it had a it had four skulls, and I was like, oh, interesting. Which is, you know, sometimes that means it's, you know, a bad movie that people like, and sometimes that means it's just a good movie. Um, I would say the convent is solid as fuck, man. I really, really enjoyed it. Huh? What a like subgenre of, of horror would you put it in? Well, um, demon demons. Okay. Uh, the the movie demons and and that uh, you know, I think it's a trilogy. Also reminded me of not Night of the Demons, which okay. Honestly, you're kind of selling me on this. That all sounds pretty damn good. Yeah, it is. Um, I I was like pleasantly surprised. You got some like cool blacklight demon looks and they got like blacklight pink blood and okay it's fucking rad i i really enjoyed it and definitely will be a movie that i'll i'll re-watch in the future because i was not expecting much of anything and it, it really like it felt like somebody took a 1980s like horror movie film crew and plopped them into the year 2000 that's kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> they just were like, okay, let's make a demon movie, I guess. Sweet. Um, I'll put that on my Halloween to watch list, man. Yeah, it's on Shutter. I'm not, well, I'm not really doing like the, you know, the, what is it, 31 days of Halloween like a lot of people do just because I right. don't usually have time to watch a movie every day, but Same. I'm trying yeah. to cram in as many as I can, man. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, this one is definitely worth trying to cram in. It's only like an hour 20. So, you know, any anytime you get a. Uh, 90 minute or less horror movie that's kind of perfect yeah totally and then um last night just for funzos we watched alligator on shutter and hmm. it was fucking awesome when did that come out 1980 oh so it's an old one yes 
Yeah, it mm. is old. It's uh, you know, you you could say it's you know trying to do a Jaws type of thing, but it's it you know, and it's got it's got some of that element, but it really feels more like its own movie that just you know happened to come out not long after <laughs> a movie that also used a, a, a killer animal, but it has like such great effects. Like the gator looks great all the time when, even when it's got like a person in its mouth or whatever. And that's the time when, you know, a, a I think it's a puppet sometimes, sometimes like a, some sort of robotic thing or whatever, but anytime it, it looks good with something in its mouth, that you know you've kind of nailed it. Hmm. Um, well, let me ask you this. At the end of the movie, is it a Tennessee volunteer delivers the death blow to that Florida Gator? Hmm? <laughs> Touchdown! Steve Spurrier shows up and he's like, them damn Vols! <laughs> Not that he ever had much trouble with the Vols, but anyway. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that would be funny, though, if they did that. No, it, it, it has like a... It ha- it has like a, a real cool vibe to it, and I I really enjoyed it. And again, I think it wasn't very long either, so definitely worth a watch. Hmm. All right then, man. Sounds enticing. You did a, a fair amount of hell raising this week yeah, as well, didn't you? I did, and you're through, dude. You I'm, journeyed well, through yeah, finally. I got one more coming up on Friday, which I'm actually excited for, but because of initial reviews. Uh, and also because of in comparison to what I've I've watched, um, I discovered some things. Okay, <laughs> one, uh, my theory is wrong that the the movies just get progressively worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I had, I had to sit down and rewatch Hellraiser Debtor because when I did watch it before, I was very drunk and did not pay attention. Um, now you realize it's a masterpiece, though, is what you're saying. Uh, it is, I realize it is the my fourth favorite Hellraiser movie. Wow. Um, and then I would say that the last one, Hellraiser fucking whatever Judgment? It is. Judgment, yes. Judgment, not a good movie. Which, no. I, again, I would say of Deader as well. Not a good movie. Uh, I'm putting them both below Hellraiser 3. And if you go back and listen to our Hellraiser 3 episode, I don't like Hellraiser 3. It's terrible. Uh, yeah, so like I'm not, I'm not saying these are good movies. But I am saying that they don't all get progressively worse. Because I would definitely put Deader, um, Judgment, and Hellworld above 5, 6, and 9. Uh, nine is the worst. It's the absolute worst one. That's one that doesn't even have Doug Bradley in it, right? The last two don't, but the guy that they have playing Doug Brad or uh, Pinhead in, I think it's Revelations. That that's the ninth one. I there's a problem. Doug Bradley has what I would call an almost like aristocratic face. He has yeah. rest resting dick face where (laughs) he can just have the pinhead makeup on and he looks intimidating 
We have We're, such dicks to face you. Right. <laughs> Whereas the guy that they got for nine, he automatically kind of looks sweet. I and know. That's he a has problem. a. He's like a uh, Pillsbury Crescent Roll pinhead. That's what he looks like. He yeah. He's got he's got like a, a nice quality to his face, and also like the the his eyes are much bigger. So the not using the full black contacts, it just looks like he has like really big brown eyes. So he looks he more like a teddy bear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So it just didn't work for me at all. No, no, dude. Uh, so but I fucking am, bad. I, I am gonna, um, you know, we're we're gonna do a mini sode on the newer one, hopefully. But also, I am gonna do a after I see the new one, we're gonna do a Hellraiser roundup uh, with Anna for Patreon. So I'll, I'll, I'm 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 putting together my. Worst to best Hellraiser list. And let me tell you, stacking turds is hard. <laughs> so they start to sag in the middle and mix all together. And you're just like, wait, it's which all one of shit. these was on top? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a graphic and illustrative way to explain ranking the Hellraiser movies, honestly. <laughs> it's like stacking turds. It, it is. really is. It really is. Because it's again, a horrible franchise. Like, I'll say it is this. It's just a fucking horrible franchise. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. I think part three is the third best one, and I fucking hated it. So and it's terrible. It's not very good at all, no. So, <laughs> I, but compared yeah. to those other ones, I'd, I mean, I would watch it a hundred times over before I watched, yeah, Revelations or any of that shit. Yeah. Fucking Judgment was just so edgelordian shit it was just like hey yeah. how many nine inch nails videos have you watched i've watched it's, all of them the imagery in it is uh cool but it it does it just feels like music videos like yeah and that's the thing is that it's it's directed by the special effects artist who he worked on the third one um and then he he has done all the special effects since then including you know he was he was the lead on this one um and and obviously you know if you if you watch part three one of the major complaints we had was the makeup was not good the pinhead makeup no. was bad uh and they fixed that in this one and beyond it, it looks better in all of them except for of course the one we were just talking about with the teddy bear guy because it just can't look good because he looks too sweet <laughs> He does. <laughs> yeah. Just too nice. Yeah, yeah. I get it, man. Oof. What a franchise. Like, one of the worst in horror. It is kind of weird where, yeah. you know, you think about the icons. You think about Freddy and Jason and Michael Myers and Pinhead. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, but man, most of those Hellraiser movies are just fucking awful. I mean, Hel Hel uh, Halloween isn't much better, but it is a lot better. <laughs> it is. It, at the very least, Halloween maintains what I would say is a similar tone in in all of the films except for maybe the Rob Zombie remakes because they're grimier but um the Hellraiser movies the tone is all over the place like Hellworld is kind of a a mid 2000s like teenager uh um horror movie which is such a weird departure from Deader before it which is much more like an indie dark uh 
early 2000s horror movie like they're just all over the place but i yeah. think we we're we're we include pinhead in the grouping with say you know leatherface and michael myers and jason and freddy but when you really think about it uh horror has other franchises like you know uh we've got the the uh what do you call them uh puppet master series which has like 14 movies um and I, the first puppet master isn't even like really good <laughs> or anything mm-hmm. so it's not like you watch the first puppet master and you're like oh i could definitely do 13 more of these um <laughs> then there's there's other movies like jaws jaws as a as a series as a like franchise pretty fucking terrible even though the first movie is one of the you know the best uh creature features ever yeah. ever yeah so like yeah but hellraiser again it's still hard to debate even that hellraiser isn't the worst because every movie past four feels like it wasn't written to be a hellraiser movie oh well, yeah because most of them weren't for the the most recent one the 2018 one that one feels the most like it was written to be a hellraiser movie yeah and then at the same time it tried too hard to be a hellraiser tried movie. way too hard yeah <laughs> yeah there's I, I will just say like I, I posted this on instagram but it like the judgment process involves a guy puking into a sink and then the sink drains into a little trough and then some lady topless ladies with big titties put their hands in the puke and it's so much Edgy. like yeah it's so much yeah like you said like a nine inch nails video or something and it's just like okay but why i mean i get that the imagery is is like fucked up but in comparison to the rest of the movie that is like sub soap opera level acting oh so bad dude so yeah. bad <laughs> it's like you don't even want to go this hard because the rest of the movie makes this look worse somehow <laughs> <laughs> oh dude i'm telling you the suffering you put yourself through it's watching real this bad. franchise yeah. <laughs> it is legendary it. yeah yeah for it sure. really is man oh well of course i'm looking forward to uh, talking shit about this franchise soon with all of you dead and lovely listeners that are coming to our meetup november yeah. the fourth here That's in right. knoxville tennessee gonna have a good time have some drinks with you guys our uh, our first meetup last year was a a roaring success a rip roaring success i tell you yeah it was and this this year will be no different i believe as we will be partying in downtown knoxville again Woo! yeah that's right man yep yeah. hit us up with for some uh, details if you need them and uh, hang out on our facebook group that's where everybody's going to be keeping in touch and uh we'll be posting about plans and stuff like that that we're going to have going on for the meetup weekend so hang out with us on there do something fucking cool on facebook for once hang out with your boys huh hell with yeah the boys you know that's us we dim boys <laughs> we dim boys dude mm-hmm. it is known so yeah join up over there today and dude, Steve, I'll tell you what, man. You know, whenever we did that that third Hellraiser movie, uh-huh. which introduced to us a, a world of just ordinary people, I guess that can just be turned into Cenobites, just because yep. Pinhead's just kind of kind of mean like that, I suppose. He's listen. He's kind of like a he's like a vampire, but uh, instead of turning you into something with exact same powers as him, he turns you into something with, I guess. 
I guess Pinhead's kind of like your uh, your your grandmother when you're little, and she hears that you like tigers. So mm, for the next yeah. twenty years, you get tiger stuff from her. Everything tiger. Yeah. Yep. So Pinhead's like uh, you like pistons, I guess. So <laughs> we'll put a piston <laughs> in your head. <laughs> when I met you, you had that video camera. So your video <laughs> camera head. Am I right? Yes. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, on that episode, we uh, we created some of our own visionary sternobots uh-huh. for That's you guys, right. and we thought that that was such a big hit that we probably aren't to do a round two on today's installment of the Preview Palace. Welcome to the Preview Palace. <laughs> we have such palace to preview. In life, <laughs> this palace came before the others. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're going to be busting out some original <laughs> Cenobites. We're going to be shredding our voices for you guys again. <laughs> All in the name of bringing you guys a hell-raising good time. I've got myself a handful of good ones here. And uh, I want to know about yours, too, Steve. I think we've each got about four or five of these on deck here. Why don't you kick us off with one of these <laughs> hellish designs? All right. <laughs> this is, uh, is going to kill my voice. In <laughs> life. <laughs> yes, in life. <laughs> so... <laughs> in life, he purchased a picture on the internet that was supposedly representative of something much more than simply a picture on the internet. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> and he talked his entire family into spending all of their money on pictures on the internet. And then the <laughs> pictures on the internet suddenly lost all of their value because they never had any to begin with. No. Uh-uh. That's right. NF Tony. <laughs> NF Tony. <laughs> NF Tony. I'm thinking that like his final one is he pictured or sorry, he purchased a picture of the lament configuration, yes, right? Exactly. And this is what turned yeah. him. Yes. So he he was finally convinced but you know, to buy one just one more NFT will do it. He bought the picture of the Lament configuration, <laughs> and while you know discussing with uh, anyone on the bus who would listen to him about how having the picture of it was actually better than having the actual thing, Pinhead sure. shows up <laughs> and then <laughs> turns Tony himself into an NFT. That's right. Wow. He's a walking two-dimensional picture of himself who walks around <laughs> explaining how that's actually better than the self he was before. So this uh, this passing interest that he you know crafted his entire personality around <laughs> became literally his entire persona. Yes, NF. That is hellish. <laughs> that is indeed hellish. That is a cenobite of a truly deranged creation. I tell you this. Yeah, one hundred percent. What do you got? Okay, man. Here's one for you. So you know, obviously, this movie here, it's got our our twins in there, right? Yeah. It got me thinking about other kind of group Cenobites that might emerge. So um, I, I concocted this devilish design. In life. Right. <laughs> they were grown on the vine as the most treasured possessions of the West Coast, the golden promised coast of America. They watched their families and friends 
be brutally ripped from the vine and squeezed into fine juice, or perhaps even aged for a priceless wine. (laughs) They wanted Mm -hmm. more. They wanted more in life. They wanted to rule the world with their dried, desiccated corpses and their musical numbers because they imagined themselves to be more powerful and better than their brothers who they saw become mere juice at the ends of their lives. Uh-huh. Okay. One day, while their corpses were shriveling in the sun, they were uh, approached by uh, a vagrant who had the lament configuration. He said, hey, here's this. And now they're they're Cenobites, for they are the California Hell Raisins. The California (laughs) Hell Raisins. (laughs) Yeah. I gotta assume they cover, like, like metal songs and stuff instead of doo-wop. Yeah. Well, I think they still do the doo-wop because they know it's a lot more accessible. Okay, right. Like, if you do the metal thing, you're not going to rule the world. You're going to, you know, appeal to a few people for sure. But you're going to get a much more widespread popularity with a more, you know, consumable music. So, yeah, they're still doing the doo-wop, but they are just desiccated corpses of their once great selves, you know? I, I, I just want to go back uh, and, and just point out this this quote from Uncle Ben Eller. <laughs> if you you want to do the metal thing, you can do that. What was it you just said? It was so fucking good. Ah! If you want to rule the world, you got to do something more consumable or something? Right, yes. Yeah. That's it. That Uncle right. Ben Eller, quote. <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> Hell raisins. Hell raisins. <laughs> yeah. I love this. I love this idea. Because they were scary anyway. Remember? Dude, the, the, what was it, like, stop motion, like, Christmas special still makes me feel weird. Yeah, I remember they creepy. did, like, the uh, We Three Men, like, Christmas song and stuff, uh-huh. and it was just weird. Yeah. It just made me feel bad as a kid. I never liked yep. stop motion. Never have. I liked stop motion, but it all, it could easily verge into creepy. Like, yeah. and, and that did, yeah, California Hell Raisins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, in life, (laughs) he worked at a factory, and in 2019, he heard about COVID over in Wuhan, China, and he said, I'm going to catch them all. (laughs) And he immediately flew to China and caught COVID-19. And since then, has been touring the world, catching every single strain. <laughs> Is he spreading them just ruthlessly all over the world, too? Absolutely. <laughs> and then, oh, just a little note. From watching all the Hellraiser movies, the most likely way that you'll end up with the uh, the Lament configuration is going to a scuzzy party. So- For sure, yeah. <laughs> it's always there. In an effort to catch a new strain of COVID, he shows up to a scuzzy party where everyone's passing around a little puzzle box. Yeah. As he solves it, Pinhead appears to him and says, You have collected all of the COVID. Come with me if you want to help people die. Oh, shit. And of course he goes. Yeah, Because he's the COVID collector. COVID collector? The COVID collector, yeah. This is good. He's mm-hmm. evil for fucking sure, man. No, absolutely. 100% evil. 
And Pinhead like invited him along. You didn't even like make him subservient. He was like, "You'll be my pal. I like yeah, you. We're, we're mates. We're mates. You and I. You're <laughs> my rotten soldier. <laughs> my good time boy. My good time boy. <laughs> my sweet cheese. <laughs> we have such COVID to nineteen. You. <laughs> what? Oh man, the COVID collector is gonna get you. And you That's know good, you're going to hear him come, and he's just going to have that ragged breath. Yeah. He's yeah. going to be so Weezing tired halfway toward you. Oh, my gosh, man. Surely. Could you come to th- me. This, this torture cannot continue forever. <laughs> it will, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty rough, dude. That's a bad dude, for sure. Yeah. What Real, you got? Uh, super, super spreader Cenobite what that is, this, huh? He's a super spreader Cenobite. all right steve let me tell you about let me tell you about somebody right here now this is truly a wicked and vile creature right here are you ready yeah i'm excited in life okay he was a man who with his guitar only sang songs about excessive sloth gluttony drunkenness and lust okay yeah His appetite for these things knew no such bounds. He decided that even the world of music was not enough to simply spread the disease of all of his sinful wishes. So he also began a restaurant chain where you could get completely average hamburgers and watery (laughs) margaritas to increase your suffering and make your life even shorter and more miserable. All right. Where, what's going on here? <laughs> Plenty. So, <laughs> one night in the back back office, while he was um, uh, probably drinking a margarita and counting his money probably. or something like this, yeah. he is approached by a mysterious bum who offers him the lament configuration, which can give him untold sums of money and completely disappointing and average foodstuffs to cover the world. So, of course, he takes the puzzle box and he opens it and he does the thing that you do. (laughs) And he Mm -hmm. spends all eternity as the living incarnation of his own gluttonous wants, his body a constantly rotting and uh, uh, just disgusting mass of cheese, burgers, margaritas, and pickle spears, and he makes people eat his body and drown on his margarita blood, for he is Jimmy Buffet. Jimmy Buffet. (laughs) I was really wondering where that was going to go and did not expect Jimmy Buffet. Wow. Yeah, Jimmy Buffett himself, dude. I mean, you know, now that I think about it, yeah, you mentioned cheeseburgers and and margaritas. What else would it have gone to? I kept thinking, oh, yeah, he's talking about TGI Fridays, a place that actually exists. That does exist. It's just a real place. Yeah. (laughs) You could get a bad cheeseburger and a watered down margarita. (laughs) Jimmy Buffet. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he he himself becomes a consumable just glut of mediocre food wow. and drink. Yeah. I mean, he wants to choke you on himself, dude. <laughs> you know? Wasting away again in Margaritaville. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Okay. Bad dude. Bad dude. Bad dude. Okay. All right. Well, let me just tell you then. About Vapinica. 
<laughs> this guy sounds like a douche already. Well, it's a lady. Come this on lady now. This lady sounds like a douche already. For sure. 100%. So, <laughs> in life. Of course, yes. <laughs> the one thing that Vape Pinnaca could find any solace in was hitting her vape pen. <laughs> she did it everywhere she went. Hitting a vape pen. Oh, boy. I'm turning into a pirate over here. Talking <laughs> What's about happening? vape pinnaca. <laughs> <laughs> so, in life, she's addicted to her vape pen. And then, of course, you know, following vape pen logic, she goes to a scuzzy party. And then, while there, she's uh, her vape pen runs out. And she asks a nearby friend, hey... Can I borrow a vape pen? And they mm, hand yes. her the Lamit configuration. <laughs> which she then, just pull on it or what? She tries damnedly to figure out how to toke on it and accidentally opens it up. At which point, Pinhead comes out and I guess shoves a vape pen in her throat like the cigarette lady right, yeah. in three. Or, sure, I don't know. Yeah. There you go. Vape Pinica. <laughs> she just scrambling around with that 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 box, being like, "Where do, How I, do pull I hit on this? It? Fucking what? How, what do you do? God, I really need a hit. My battery died like twenty minutes ago. Oh, oh vape Penica. <laughs> I like that yours are a lot of these things that like people, yeah, just base their entire personality on. Where it's like, oh yeah, I vape. Are you hip to this new battery and shit like this? <laughs> right. Yes. I. 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 Can't imagine making your entire personality based around a little disposable piece of plastic, but there you go. <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you about a disposable little piece of plastic right here because this bitch oh, in no. life oh, no. was only obsessed with fashion, glamour, being thinner and prettier than everyone else that she knew. She only wanted the fanciest cars, to dine in the finest restaurants, and to have the most handsome boyfriend of them all. Okay. Obsessed with a life only of consumerism. Consumer, consumer, just buying stuff. Yeah, you know buying I mean. stuff, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, she's really into money and uh, things like that. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so one day, as she is in the back alley of a, a place where she had just bought perhaps a new Gucci bag, something that was actually kind of nice. I don't know. <laughs> she is confronted by a man with a lament configuration, the puzzle box, who promises her a life only of the most posh existence possible. Okay. And he hands her the box and she opens it, she solves it, and Pinhead arrives and he says, Oh, a life in plastic? Oh. Sounds fantastic. Therefore, you are now damned to be Barbie girl in a Barbie world. <laughs> you keep getting me with these. I did not expect this to be a Barbie girl reference. <laughs> and now Come she on, lives Barbie. Her life. Let's go party. Damned to have an extremely long neck, non-opposable elbows, and extremely <laughs> tiny feet, and a face that is frozen in the look of self-satisfied greed. Oh, yeah, that sounds exactly like the Barbie I know. Wow, that's frightening, too. You can comb her hair, undress her everywhere. Oh, no. I, I also like the idea of a Cenobite who's just in a pink dress instead yeah. of like all the other shit 
Like, right? She, <laughs> he just shows up, but like, you know, walking without being able to bend, which is creepy <laughs> as fuck. So, yeah. 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 Yeah, the proportions would this. look hellish if you saw somebody with those actual proportions. Yeah. It would be terrifying. All right. I got one more here that um, I, did, I didn't put a ton of thought into, but I was making coffee. So, in life, <laughs> he couldn't get out of bed without a morning cup of coffee. He had <laughs> to have a cup of coffee on the way to work. A cup of coffee at work. A cup of coffee with lunch. Damn, this guy addicted. just needed his caffeine. Yeah, he's a slave to it. So, one time while searching his office uh, kitchen area for a, a coffee maker that I guess somebody moved, uh, he finds the laminate configuration. <laughs> It's dusty for some reason. Somebody put it in a corner and everybody just thought, oh, I don't know whose that is. I don't want to. He's like, I don't know. Is that, uh, Nobody labeled it. So nobody threw it away. Anyway, it's been there for a while. Uh, and he's like, oh, yeah, this must be one of those new coffee maker things. Anyway, so he he opens it up and Pinhead comes out and uh, turns him into a Mr. Coffee machine. He's Mr. <laughs> coffee, the Cenobite. Mr. Coffee, the Cenobite. Yes. <laughs> I'm imagining it's even like more shiny and black than a regular Mr. Coffee. Like yeah, it's like it's, wrapped in patent leather and Yeah, it's like alien gross black where it's like it's like covered in lube and stuff too. Whoa, yeah, it's drippy yeah. and stuff. Yeah, is yeah, the, yeah. Uh, is the basket filter like human flesh or something? Oh yeah, yeah. If you open it up, the basket filters human flesh, and the coffee grounds are all feces. Oh wow, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that is hellish indeed. Hellish indeed, sir. Damn, his appetites for a cup of Joe turned him into an eternal cup of Joe, huh? Hellish, hellish. diabolical. I'll tell you what, man. Dang, dude. All right, I got another group project Cenobite for you here. You ready? Uh-huh. In life, they were only the wealthiest of businessmen who spent all their money robbing from the poor and giving to themselves, only filling their vaults and coffers with more coins, more than they could ever spend in a lifetime. Ooh. So they, of course, found a way to channel their wealth into satisfying their most perverse desires, hosting crazy sex orgy parties where they hire women to do depraved sex acts, but only one thing could slake their thirst, and it was the, 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 the hunger for the sound and the sight of one fleshy ass beating upon another. Okay. In an act known as ass to ass. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! The ass to ass guy became a Cenobite? <laughs> one night. <laughs> After a day of counting their coins, these businessmen, they hired some poor, some poor women to do depraved sex acts while they stood around with their, their canes and their suits, watching them do stuff for money that they paid them to do. It's really not that bad of an arrangement as long as everyone's okay with it, frankly. Sure, but anyway, yeah. the girl is asked, what would you like us to do next? And they all applauded in a chorus and said, ass to ass. Right. The final most depraved act that there is. Is that right? <laughs> Little did they know the girls were agents of hell. And they said, if you can solve the, this box thing, then we'll, we'll do the SS. Oh, so okay. 
the men frantically searched to find the answer for the lament configuration. They opened the box, and Pinhead appeared to them and said, Oh, I see you have such a desire for ass to ass. It has overtaken your entire existence. Perhaps uh-huh. you shall spend eternity ass to ass. Okay. And he made like, a, it's like a 10-man ass to ass ring, and they're just stuck that way. Just all oh, the butts. Man. They're joined by the butts. Joined by the together. butt. And I guess I would have to assume that like the way they kill you is they expand the group. Like another head of the dildo shoots out. Oh man! No, I think what they do is like they they surround you in a circle so that your head is in the middle of all the butts, and they bang <laughs> all their butts together, ass to ass style, and that's what kills you, right? Okay. I think that's how they do it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and they're wearing a lot of leather and stuff, probably. They're, of course, yeah. <laughs> you have the ass to ass centibite not wearing leather. <laughs> Okay, can I can I lay one more on you? This might yes, be the darkest please. yet, yeah, but I know we got to get on to the movie review, but this is some quality Cenobite stuff right here. Are you ready? Uh-huh. All right. In life, he brought disaster wherever he went. The hearts of the girls was to hell, broken, sent. They all ran away so no one would know and left only men because of Cotton-Eyed Joe. <laughs> If it hadn't been for Cotton Eye Joe, you'd have been married a long time ago. Right. So one day, while he's traveling the countryside after destroying the lives of many men and women, he came to town like a midwinter storm. He rode through the fields so handsome Uh and strong. His eyes was his tools and his smile was his gun. But all he had come for was having some fun. So he found a guy that had the box. He opened the box. You get the idea. Right. Uh-huh. Pinhead appears and says, where did you come from? Where did you go? <laughs> where did you come from, Cotton-Eyed Joe? Hell. I like that yours are kind of like little riddles that are like, where is this going? Yeah. That's how Can I like to do it, Can you pick up man. the clues? Exactly, and, yeah. Yeah, the cotton, cotton-eyed Joe Cenobite. <laughs> so, weirdly enough, those were actually just the lyrics to Cotton-Eyed Joe yeah, that I was I know. reading. and they are creepy. I had no idea. <laughs> they were, like, weird. Um, I don't know why I was thinking about Cotton-Eyed Joe earlier, and I, I read the lyrics. I was like, what are the lyrics to that song? And I pulled them up, and I was like, this is hellish, for sure. This is 100%. definitely some, some yeah. Sternobot territory. <laughs> So Cotton-Eyed Joe Cenobite, man. Sternobot. Sternobots, dude. Yeah, okay. I mean, that's a that's a nightmarish collection of uh, of Cenobots we've we've cooked up here, I think. Oh, for sure. I want to know about whatever Cenobites you guys can think up out of your imagination over there on the Facebook group. Let us know how we did. Let us know what other Cenobots you would like to see featured. I tried to come up with like a, a Mitch McConnell like turtle Cenobite one. I try right. to cook up something good there, but I think there's there's a possibility for something good. Yeah, I mean, I would think like you know, in life you <laughs> look like a fucking turtle, <laughs> and you're an asshole to everyone. And you're an asshole, so you're a turtle now. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Deal with it. Nah. <laughs> so there you go. A roundup of our next uh, little group of Cenobots we have created for you guys. And now, Steve, how about we talk about 
this movie that we watched this week, which is one <laughs> Hellraiser IV Blue Lime. Yeah, it is that. Um, this is. <laughs> when did you see this the first time? I, I saw this on video uh, probably in 97. Um, mm. And I. Man, I'll tell you this. Like. I'm going to have trouble talking about this because the movie that we watched is uh, a bad jumble and it makes no sense. And it's a clear indication of a uh, executive producer just ruining a movie because somebody pissed him oh, off. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. But I, I watched last night, I watched a version of this. A Someone has, has gone through the painstaking effort to restore Kevin Yeager's original like shooting script vision through like cut scenes and uh you know just editing together the 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 movie and the cut scenes and even like putting together some like stuff in I think Sims 2 uh <laughs> I'm not what? saying yeah I'm not saying this is an extremely watchable version but if you watch that version it is a straightforward story that goes from, you know, the 18th century bit to the 1990s bit to the space bit. And it flows really well. And the main story is Angelique versus Pinhead in a, does temptation work better than torture? Uh, basically battle. And that movie that I watched last night, pretty, pretty cool pretty good movie Honestly, definitely that sounds okay yeah it's the third best hellraiser movie for sure but that movie never came out <laughs> the Damn movie it. that came out is the one we're talking about and it's a pile of shit man it'd have been a whole lot cooler if that original version did come out here ben yeah. because I, I was doing some reading about this thing about how you know well as you can see when you watch the opening credits it is directed by none other than one alan smithy who <laughs> yeah, uh, in, this is in a- life is the name that directors <laughs> take whenever they're like i don't want my name on this but yeah, somebody else's name on this fucking thing director's guild name of choice when a director doesn't want their name on a project and i just want like this is episode 286 though we've done something close to 350 episodes uh, including many sods and things. Um, this is the first Alan Smithy movie we've done. And we've done movies oh. where it would make all the sense in the world that the director would be like, I don't want my name on this. Oh, yeah, totally. And they still had their name on it. Um, the, I kind of got two different stories, basically. But the central story is essentially that Kevin Yeager, who is a special effects guy who... You know, designed Chucky, Freddy, all sorts of like major horror stuff before yeah. this, and he also worked on Tales from the Crypt. Like his directing credits included Tales from the Crypt before this. Um, he was he was hired after they had offered the job to Stuart Gordon of Reanimator fame. Okay, and uh, Guillermo del Toro, who at that time I think had only done. A couple of things. Yes, I, I would love to watch a Hellraiser movie from either of those guys. Absolutely. 100%. You can see why they, they approached them. Um, and I guess they went with Kevin Yeager probably thinking... Because they were going to go with Stuart Gordon because he's known for being able to use a, a very small budget and make 
you know, a good movie out of it. Um, I think they went with Kevin Yeager thinking they would have complete control over him because he doesn't really have, you know, a directing career to speak of. Uh, unfortunately, what happened was Kevin Yeager, uh, who was already well-established in the special effects community, didn't see himself as, you know, a new director and someone who needed to be told what to do. So he, at some point, pissed off Bob Weinstein. Um, and Bob Weinstein essentially decided that it didn't matter what he turned in, uh, he wasn't going to accept it. Um, dude, it's it's almost like the more I hear about that guy, turns out, not a good dude. <laughs> the Weinsteins aren't good, you say? What? Seems like the more I hear about him, the more I'm getting convinced. Yeah. Not yeah. nice people, turns out. And, and listen, like, I can completely understand maybe Kevin Yeager had, like, uh, a, a big ego, which is kind of what I gathered from, from some of the stuff I read. He had a big ego about him. Uh, and maybe Bob Weinstein didn't like that, but why would you sacrifice not only the product of this film, but the, the franchise overall, just because you're pissed off at the director? Like, why would you yeah, do that? Yeah. You I, just I guess because you're be an, an absolute, asshole. yeah, egomaniac fucking asshole that doesn't give a shit about literally anything that affects anybody else. I mean, that's how he also did... A lot of the other wretched, terrible things that he did. So that eh, makes yeah. sense. Yeah, and, and so like, uh, so the major changes that were pushed by the um, by Miramax, but the production company, were one they wanted Pinhead to show up earlier because in in Kevin Yeager's shooting scripts, he shows up about forty minutes into the film because this is not a Pinhead film really it is yeah a, it's about the history yeah uh, yeah it's about the history of the box but also about angelique um and her and this idea that there are factions in hell and that there's a you know kind of a, a a debate about what is the best way to torment souls and all this stuff going on so there's just like in this original script, there's uh, a central tension between the villains, whereas in the movie that we do get, there's not really any indication of wh who is the main villain and what's going on between Pinhead and Angelique, though they try to indicate they want to fuck for some reason. It seems that way, <laughs> yeah. Which <laughs> is a big, weird change to go from, oh, these two are nemeses to... Oh, actually, they want to fuck, I think. Um, <laughs> well, it's like, yeah. you know, if you just give a cursory glance to this series, it's kind of like, I think it's about weird people that want to fuck, which it kind okay, of is. Kind of, kind yeah. Of. <laughs> yeah, that's not entirely unfair, but um, I, I think, okay, so that that's one of the major changes that I think just <laughs> entirely messes up, like, the movie. It entirely messes up, like, the way that the movie plays out. But if you, again, like if you watch this uh, Kevin Yeager work print that I, I watched, everything was shot to make the movie that Kevin Yeager wanted to make, basically. Like everything except for a couple of scenes. Um, and then basically they, Bob Weinstein just decided he didn't like little bitty nitpicky things like he 
he didn't like that Kevin Yeager started with Angelique being like brought into the skin, like the demon that is Angelique being brought into the skin, and then Angelique commissioning the the box. But that's oh, so the, that's originally how it was. Is the right. demon was like. I need this thing to summon other demons. Right, which is the only way it makes sense, because otherwise a guy just made a puzzle box and it was like, oh, this happens to summon demons. See, that's what I couldn't figure out about this. It's like, okay, so did this like Marquis de Sade motherfucker know how to make this thing? If he did, how did he know? If he knew, why didn't he do it? Yeah. And then I was like, or Toymaker guy just accidentally oops i made a demon box can you right. just accidentally make stuff that summons demons because if so i'm like i'm just imagining people putting ikea furniture together and it's like oops <laughs> demons oops oh, my no. skin's getting torn away <laughs> accidentally put the k screw in the l hole and now well, pinhead um <laughs> i it, it it's just so many stupid changes that just ruin the film including like Okay, so, uh, all right, Angelique like is supposed to be trying to tempt Le Marchand and then Merchant in the future. Like, mm-hmm. there's an entire scene that didn't even get shot, unfortunately, but that was in the script where she comes to Le Marchand and like uh, tries to tempt him and says, "Like, listen, like, why don't you come and?" you know, get rid of these two and then you and I will, you know, travel the world together or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and so there, there's a clear plan of temptation where she's going to tempt this man. She's already got these other two. She doesn't care about them. Uh, but then the, the producers didn't like that idea, so they wanted it changed to basically, like, uh, he's completely innocent. That Lemarchand is is innocent in this merchant line. They're completely innocent people who just happened to stumble into this, rather than being commissioned to make a demon box and then being tempted by a demon and then kind of almost going through with it and getting killed. Hmm. Which makes a ton of sense in the Hellraiser universe. But the other yeah. way around is just no. He's just a really good guy who accidentally made this. Whoopsie. Hmm. And then, like, even on paper, this idea of this bloodline battling the Cenobites through history, through multiple eras of history, like, that's kind of interesting, kind it of Van cool. helsing like in a way, except yeah. that that is not at all how it works out. <laughs> no, because they wanted, they wanted Pinhead in earlier, so they did the wraparound bit with the space so that they could have Pinhead in early in the movie. Well, and even earlier than that, they put in, like, during the fucking first five seconds of the movie, there's just that flash of his face on the screen no for reason. no fucking reason. Yeah, stupid. Just so that you're sure that he's in the movie, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the thing is, Clive Barker, like... He um he had a big hand in the first two films, and then in the third one, he was doing something else, but then got to come in later and make some additions. In this one, he was working on Lord of Illusion while this was being filmed, and he really supported Kevin Yeager's vision, because like, he, he, this was an idea that, that he and Pete, uh, that Clyde Barker and uh, Peter Atkins the writer had come up with of the, the three 
different timelines and it being following like a family curse basically um and and he thought that kevin yeager's vision was good and then after the six weeks of initial shooting clive barker said that like they needed at least three more weeks of shooting uh but then they you know uh kevin yeager's had been kind of basically uh he'd taken the hint from bob weinstein so when they needed to do reshoots he didn't want to come back and do the reshoots because they were going to make a movie he didn't want to make yeah um so they got uh joe chappelle who had come in to complete uh halloween six um <laughs> legendarily great movie Halloween. Legendarily great. yeah joe chappelle actually is a great director but he's, he's known more for television he's done uh he worked on the wire and fringe a oh, lot wow. so two shows that i think are great um but he uh he he was brought in to do the reshoots and honestly the reshoots were just you know changing all the things that bob weinstein wanted changed so changing angelique's like um background changing you know making pinhead the main villain and stuff like that but a lot of it was just editing around and then also shooting the wraparound bits with the space stuff um, the space stuff i don't yeah. think i've ever seen a horror franchise rush to get to space faster than this <laughs> shit <laughs> other than alien which started in space um wait well hold on uh leprechaun got to space by four so they both made it to four wow the space race yeah <laughs> in horror yeah um, but yeah i i i think clive barker's idea and and the idea he and peter atkins came up with and and what kevin yeager's vision of that was i think all of that was good um it was all it is rushed like this is an 85 minute version whereas the kevin yeager work print is about an 115 minutes so 30 minutes longer wow okay but it doesn't even feel as long as the 85 minute movie i know right dude <laughs> what what a weird puzzle this movie is this movie is a puzzle box in itself because yes. <laughs> it somehow manages to be short right yet boring mm-hmm. while also being confusing like yep. most movies are lucky i'll put it to you this way most bad movies are lucky to check two of those boxes right this one gets all three somehow yeah it's like the, yeah the movie was short and boring but it was really easy to understand the story okay well this movie was boring and confusing right but it took its time telling the story somehow this does all of it i don't yep. really know how you do that i don't either it, i mean it, it just takes pure fuckery to to turn this movie in into what it is but that that is it it's pure fuckery so <laughs> i mean the segments of this movie the the version that we see that are good i mean the the 18th century bit is good though there's not enough it's pretty cool. of it um, dude that's what i remembered about this the most was that stuff like i remember yeah. Whenever I watch this movie for the first and until the other day, only time. Right. <laughs> I remember this movie being like, yeah, you know, it's got some lame stuff in space, but it's also got all this cool stuff with, yeah, yeah like I said, the 18th century French stuff, this weird Marquis de Sade character, uh-huh. the invention of the box by this toy maker. I remembered all that stuff as being 
a way bigger part of this movie and instead it's like actually the meat of this movie is just being stuck in the boring 90s with not Meryl Streep <laughs> and uh, and uh-huh love- from the little rascals dude we were yeah. watching it and I was like dude why why is the kid in this so fucking familiar Kate says rascals credits kid. Yep. yeah she's like oh he's uh-huh from the little uh-huh. rascals and I was like oh uh-huh right uh, like that's it why why does this movie Okay, it has the the cool interest of the old-timey French stuff. It has the campy stupidity of space stuff. But it chooses to spend most of its time being like, let's just hang out in the beige 90s. That's yeah. cool, right? It's beige here. Yeah, the, yeah, so the original shooting script gave about 35 minutes to each segment. And um, that 18th century bit had quite a bit more to it, including... Um, the his like uncle or whoever that you know we see performing um autopsies he he comes to him and like basically tries to talk him out of uh going to a party that he's been invited to okay uh oh before this important there's a whole segment where there's these like gamblers like um uh, the the sod type guy invites these gamblers over, and then uh, Angelique like she has them like try to solve the puzzle box and basically passes it around, and then it gets back to her and she turns them all into cenobites. Uh, okay, so that explains a weird picture I saw from this of these like aristocrat looking guys with like their faces like stretched and pulled apart yeah. and shit. I guess yeah. that's supposed to be them. Yes, and it like this. Uh, you know, the, you can see the scene, but it has no uh, FX added, um, so uh, you don't get to actually see the cool effect. But apparently, you know, you've seen the picture. They did do it; it just didn't get shot. Um, yeah, huh? But so she she turns them into Cenobites, and then uh, whenever his uncle is leaving his house after trying to convince him to not go to this party at the Marquis de Sade's place. Um, on his way back, he's accosted by the Cenobite troop that are now like a clown troop. Uh, and they they kill him. And huh. it's like, would have been a really cool scene, unfortunately. Yeah, that would have been. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's there's just so much, so much taken out of the the uh, 18th century bit and then so much taken out of the space bit and changed like the original ending was not happy at all like aside from uh, merchant actually killing the cenobites he also has to die himself like in this Goes for some reason he gets away and now i guess he's got a girlfriend <laughs> wait what Huh? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'll tell you what, though, man. In terms of that ending, where he fakes out Pinhead because he's a hologram on this other ship or whatever. Right. This movie is bad, but <laughs> I will say, The Last Jedi ripped this movie off. Absolutely. So it's kind of worse. <laughs> like, the whole Luke Skywalker, just kidding, I'm a hologram, fight at the end. It's like, holy shit. They stole that from Hellraiser Bloodline. That's how bad that movie is, guys. They stole from this pile of shit. I think The Last Jedi is the best of the new three wins. Uh, but <laughs> uh, here's the thing. 
in the original ending, it's he's still using that projection, uh, but he's still on the ship. So it's it's yeah, it's not the long distance type of thing where he gets away. But he does in yeah in the movie we're shown he just gets away uh, and and yeah it's not a satisfying ending to a Hellraiser movie for sure it doesn't it's feel like lame. hell has been raised <laughs> yeah there's very low degrees of hell raising in this movie aren't there yeah I would say so <laughs> whenever it, it got to that part at the very end where like the ship folded into this fucking big puzzle box thing and sh- shot a laser at Pinhead were you like whoa dude whoa <laughs> no me <laughs> neither <laughs> I mean it yeah it's just it's flat it's real flat I mean it, they they obviously were thinking, oh, we're not going to make any more Hellraisers, so we'll show him dying. But we also want to be able to make more Hellraisers, so make sure it's in the future. I guess. But I here's guess. the problem with like setting it in the future and there being a pinhead, because it lets you know in any pinhead that takes place before 2137, he's going to make it out alive because he's alive in 2137. Sure. Yeah. I don't think he's ever really, like, this feels like the only one where he's ever in any sort of peril. I don't think he's ever in any sort of peril. Like, that's kind of, it it feels like it has to be the end, because it kind of neuters him entirely if you know he can, in fact, be killed. So, yeah, like, yeah, why do this? Why do this? <laughs> Just overall top to bottom. Overall, why do why this? Do this? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, dude. And I'll tell you what, too. Like, one question that I had about this is, what is with the, the laser aversion that Cenobites apparently have? They're, like, allergic <laughs> to lasers, specifically? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, because it turns out that's how to beat the powers light, of hell. And they're yeah. dark, so... Uh, well, you know what? It's probably just that goth aversion to light. That's probably Might be it. that. Yeah. yeah, it's like super light, right? Yeah, it's like yeah, it's super light. So it's just like no. Do you think that whenever like uh, Cenobites are having like private, like really freaky sex, they like get out a little laser pointer and kind of tease each other with? Oh, it? it's of kinda course like, they do. Yeah, that's like their knife play. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Laser pointer <laughs> to the nipples. Ooh. Whoa! Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Such sweet suffering. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's there hot. are many questions. I get, it. I get why they do that. There are many questions about this, Steve. Um, yeah. How does... Okay. This has Adam Scott in it, for one. It does have Adam Scott in it. (laughs) Like all your favorite TV shows and stuff. Adam Scott. Being a youngin' in here. Yes, he is very young. Littlin'. He is alive (laughs) in the early French segments that we see, as well as the 90s. He's still alive. Like Uh Initially, when it got to that scene, and it's like, oh, he's still here... I was like, wait, wait, is this like a descendant of his? Is she fucking his great great grandkid too? What's going on here? Because you have like the same actor playing multiple generations of the same bloodline through the rest of the movie. Right. So I was like, well, maybe that's a descendant of Adam Scott's from the old Frenchy times. And it's like, no, that's still him. He's still alive. He looks about the same. Anyway, he's dead now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I what mean, was going on? How is he still alive? A, a demon. A demon's keeping him alive. 
Her name's Angelique. It's that easy to answer that. It's just like, eh, she did stuff. I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that was kind of like, that was the whole thing. But, like, the movie doesn't, it doesn't do a good job at all with that story. It, it just kind of like, he, I mean, they changed it. It was supposed to be the Delisle guy that was surviving into the 1990s. Okay, they changed cool. it to the Adam Scott character for some reason. Not really positive. They just did it whenever they changed Angelique's background. Um, but they they changed it to him. And I, I feel like, yeah, that does cause confusion. Because if it had been Delisle and like she had made him look young again in the 18th century. And then you're seeing him in the 90s. You'd be like, oh, okay. So she's made him look young again. And that he's... There was dark magic afoot. Yeah. Right. But instead, the, yeah, there's no indication as to why that's going on. And as you said, because there's the same actor is playing three roles ac- across time. It's like, okay, so is this a, a new character? And yeah, it, it all happens so quick where he's just like... He tells her what to do, and uh, it's against the demon code or whatever, and and now she stabs him and rips his heart out. Well, in the Kevin Yeager script, she just uh, stops keeping him young, and he rapidly ages and becomes like a dead, desiccated corpse. That's cool, and that also makes you go, oh, so he was he being was, kept alive right, by exactly. some kind of magic or something. That kind of makes sense. Yeah, so why um, make that change again, Bob Weinstein? Why make an unnecessary change for no other reason than to be a dick? I'll tell you what, though, man. In, the, in those scenes in the 90s with Adam Scott, he looks pretty He looks pretty wore out. He looks pretty tired. Right. Um, I think we could have benefited from a scene where it's just him alone. Like she leaves the house to go get some bagels or something. And he's just at the house by himself. And he's like, man, I should have just stayed home and jerked off rather than summoning <laughs> this, this fuck demon. <laughs> she just busts my balls for hundreds of years, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. It is a good point. I mean, summoning a fuck demon sounds cool and all, but then the reality you know, sets here you in. are like, 180 uh, years later. <laughs> <laughs> you make bad decisions when you're really horny, I guess, you know? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Although I will say, like that that scene in the intro where we do have like the demon summoning kind of ritual that they do where they yeah, they kidnap this like this prostitute and they like skin her and they like hang the skin over this portal that's opening and the skin like catches the demon. Yeah. That's pretty sick. Like, yeah, it got it to is. that part, and I was like, oh, gosh, like, there's a glimmer of hope. Maybe this is actually pretty fucking cool. Um, and then the rest of the movie is really not cool. But that part is, I think, pretty neat. Yeah, it is. It was That was originally the opening of the film. And that's Ooh, a sick. fucking badass opening. That's a hell of a way to do it, yeah. man. I wonder, though, because I got the impression that they'd been kind of doing some trial and error with this thing, and they had kind of arrived with, like, I don't know, skin sack, you know? Okay. I wonder what other kind of containers they tried catching the demon in. Like, do you think initially they're like, gather all the filo dough in town? <laughs> we shall make a spanakopita of demons. <laughs> a Satan copita. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, did they get like a hefty cinch sack and try to like zip tie it in? Is that kind of thing? I don't know. What other possibilities <laughs> were there? Just a bottle. I don't know, maybe a bottle. Nope, didn't work. <laughs> nope, didn't work. 
Yeah, I, I, I wonder think about that. That it, that it, they probably I assume they assumed from the beginning. Yeah, we're gonna have to kill somebody. That's a demon. That's like demon one hundred and one. You gotta they kill love somebody. That. They yeah. love that stuff, man. That's so yeah, favorite. let's do it that way. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I think that. I think that Angelique is a really cool character, and I like Me it kind of opens up this pathway in this world where it's like, oh, Pinhead isn't the only really malevolent force in this world. It's like there's there's people that came before him that are also, you know, real fucked up fucking um, yeah. uh, priests and priestesses of hell. Like, I think that that's really cool. Yeah. And then it turns out she's just kind of lazy and I guess just kind of fucks around France for about 200 years. Not really doing a whole lot, huh? Well, she can't because of uh, what's his name, Adam Scott's character. She can't really do anything until she finds out that Merchant is alive, uh, or you know his his bloodline is alive. Um, so yeah, she she in the yeah in the Kevin Yeager shooting script, there's a line that like they went to India once. Apparently that was like 1849. So yeah, they really have just been hanging out in France, and I guess he's just doing drugs and having sex or whatever, mm-hmm, and killing party. probably. Yeah, n- nothing. Mm-hmm. So that this was the first time that he's you know actually gotten in the way of Hell's desires or whatever because she has to go check out this bloodline situation and and she you know kills him. But it, yeah, it. It, it does just seem like, but that that's again the movies. The movie we see is at fault here because we're not seeing that she is like bored. Like that mm-hmm. that's part of this is that she's bored with him. She's bored with doing the same shit over and over, and she finally sees an out. And it's actually a good thing that he doesn't want to do what she wants to do because she finally gets to kill him and go be free Mm -hmm. um but that's only after he made the mistake of coming home from the grocery store with that uh architectural digest magazine (laughs) for some (laughs) reason has merchant on the cover of it what is what is with the the 80s and 90s and and writers just picking architect as a yeah like an it famous architect just like <laughs> I don't know, architect. They, I guess they draw houses. I don't know. Like I wish that there was another version of this though, where like you know, uh, Angelique and Francie Pants, Adam Scott are just like you know hanging around, and uh, they walk by a place like a little French cafe where there's a radio station playing, and because it's the '90s, the DJ is like, "That was the new song by Natalie Merchant," and she's like, "That name, <laughs> Merchant." She is here. The bloodline exists. She goes to kill Natalie Merchant. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I want that movie, dude. I do, too. I listen just to get to see Natalie Merchant for a while would be fun. I think that Natalie Merchant knew. She was like, I know I'm supposed to be uh, fighting some hell raising, but I got, I got songs to write, y'all. Yeah. I got tunes to write. I got this little guitar in my hands. I, I don't know. Like, I... <laughs> What was that video where she's walking around uh, New York taking pictures of people and then it shows the pictures and every single time the pictures are like terribly out of focus? <laughs> I don't and I'm that like, one. what editor did that to Natalie Merchant? Like, the, <laughs> the guy shooting the film, the video was like, okay, take pictures of people. He didn't say, are you a photographer? 
But mm, then the editor true. was like, we'll show her shitty pictures. Take that, Natalie Merchant. <laughs> she's not good at everything. Yeah, she can write a hit song, but look, she's human. Can't take a picture with a shit, am I right? Carnival. Huh? Is, that's, it's Carnival. That's the, the video I'm talking about. Go check it out and look like, what the fuck? Why did they include the pictures? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I think the musical connections in this movie run deep, though, because I believe that they sourced all of Doug Bradley's pinhead dialogue from, like, Nine Inch Nails songs. <laughs> Absolutely. I am so exquisitely empty. Like yeah. that's a Nine Inch Nails song, right? I um maybe <laughs> sounds like it might be. Yeah. This room is a holocaust waiting to happen. Fuzz this guitar room riff. Is a holocaust waiting to happen. Yeah, that does seem like way out of place. <laughs> The use you know, of the, word the crazy Holocaust. thing is though, yeah, yeah, I know, right? What yeah. I mean, the crazy thing is, is like, given that he was just using Trent Reznor lyrics as dialogue, Doug Bradley still sells the shit out of it. He's oh, fucking absolutely. good, man. Yeah, yeah, no, he's uh, Doug Bradley is he's always bringing it in these films. He is never, uh, you know, phoning even it in. the direct to video ones. He is never phoning it in. He's always just like. I am Pinhead. I'm gonna bring that Pinhead gravitas and mm-hmm. fucking nails it. Like he's he's Doug Bradley, kicks ass. Uh, and yeah, it's also uh, uh, Angelique. Fuck, what's her name? Valentina Vargas. Uh, they dubbed over her voice for some oh. reason, and it's not I was a wondering good dub. About that. Yeah, like I yeah. was watching it, and I was like, she seems like she's in a Giallo movie right now, but I wasn't entirely sure. So they did dub over her. Why? Uh, I don't know because uh, the uh, that uh, you know other version I watched they tried to use the uh, segments of video that they found that had her original voice and it's just a French ac- kind of Spanishy French accent. She's from Argentina and she speaks Fan- Spanish and French and English, oh. and it's just got like a kind of Spanish French flair to it. But no, no reason why you would ask somebody else to do it that's weird I, that because, I like find. the guy playing merchant has that like quebecois accent yeah yeah and yeah he's fine so like yeah why why are they doing this yeah i i think so many choices were made by bob weinstein to destroy the film like he just it sounds that way yeah kevin yeager to fail and hmm. that's shitty <laughs> and that really, sucks yeah honestly yeah. it really does and it really hmm. fucks up the the entire hellraiser franchise too because this could have been I mean the version that I that I watched again that that Kevin Yeager's original vision is a solid fucking movie and would have made people want to see another Hellraiser movie. So Oh yeah. Why Instead, not do this that? is the last one that was in theaters ever. <laughs> yeah. But I think what it is is Weinstein cuz the the budget of this is 4 million dollars, which is not a lot of money, especially considering no. the, you know, final product. Yeah, and I mean, uh, that's looks, a lot of different sets and costumes and stuff yeah, to have to design throughout yeah, this. Yep, that's what I'm saying, is the final product, you see the sets, you see how good it does look, despite the fact that it makes no sense. $4 million, it's, look, it's looking good for $4 million. I think that Weinstein just didn't want Hellraiser to have an excuse to need a big budget, but he was mm-hmm. going to keep making them. Which is why every Hellraiser movie after this is clearly just another script with Pinhead thrown in. Yeah, totally, he just, right? He's buying the cheapest possible script, getting the cheapest possible directors, and he knows Doug Bradley's going to sell it no matter what. 
But here's the thing about this that, you know, after after Clive Barker's main influence kind of left the series, this entire series lost the thread of, like, what Pinhead and the Cenobites are really out to do. Because right. in this, they have this underlying plot for, like, global domination, where they yep. want the they merchant want to bloodline to open this ultimate hell portal. Yep. Although it seems like it's pretty easy for them to get through. And they can get through, like, a bunch at a time, obviously. But they yeah. want there to be this huge hell door open so they can take everything over which makes no sense no at fucking all when the entire point is like yeah they found people who you know want the most extreme um experiences and pain and pleasure imaginable it's not at all about enforcing their weird cenobite will on people that don't want it you right. opened the box we came that's the entire thing it's not you didn't open the box we're comings anyway it's what's the point of that yeah it, it's it's real dumb uh yeah giving them an ultimate goal of taking over the earth makes no sense when their primary goal is to make people suffer if they take over earth i mean what do they how how do they make people suffer yeah people aren't going to keep procreating it's hell now <laughs> and that's the thing too is he ultimately gives 90s merchant the the ultimatum where he like kidnaps his son and he's like i'll torture your son if you don't allow me to take over the entire world. <laughs> it's like, I think if you, if you take over the entire world, my son's getting tortured anyway. Right. Uh, yeah. Pretty the, shitty ultimatum. There's <laughs> just so many, like, contradictions and, like, just stuff that makes no sense in the universe it's entering. But, again, as, as I said, uh, Kevin Yeager's original vision, it all kind of works, even though some of that is still there. A lot of it's changed and it made different but the the idea that hell will be on earth is kind of still there because basically there's this war in hell between the uh, temptation demons like angelique and the torture demons like the the other cenobites and they're essentially they're ascetic monks the cenobites they are not that's they are not the mainstream of hell they are a kind of uh, religious you know, order. Ex- yeah, yeah, an extreme religious order. They're zealots in a lot of ways. Um, That's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It's interesting. All that is interesting, and the idea that these zealots would then want to take over the world uh, it works for me because it's like, yeah, zealots oftentimes do things that don't make sense because they're mm-hmm. zealots. <laughs> all right, that's all that's all cool and all and I understand the the inspiration and motivation going on right there. I'm not getting how the dog fits into all this though. <laughs> <laughs> I think the chatterer beast is a an interesting thing to think about because yeah, how did uh, Emily asked this uh, how did the dog solve the puzzle? Like, okay, so I was imagining these possibilities because my mind was going there too. I was like, the dog yeah. had to open the fucking box. Right. So I'm imagining in life. <laughs> Even though all the other puppies on the street wanted to be good boys, he only wanted to be a bad boy. Ooh. A bad dog. Uh-oh. When, his, when he would misbehave and piss on the carpet, his owner would smite him on the behind and he liked it. Ooh. He aspired to be badder and worse than any dog that the world had ever seen. Right. <laughs> and I think, like, one day, 
His, his master, who controlled the lament configuration, was right. making a peanut butter sandwich, and the dog <laughs> bit him on the ankle and made him drop the lament configuration and the peanut butter, which uh-huh. fell to the floor, and then the owner had to go off and get a Band-Aid. And I think, I think the hell dog was just, like, licking on licking the box, the peanut butter, the peanut butter off. off. Right. Uh-huh, yeah. And I think he had opened the box, and he uh-huh. became not a bad dog, <laughs> but the worst dog. I'm pretty sure. That is the one, because uh, Ke- Kevin Yeager, as I said, is a special effects guy. Uh, and as a special effects guy, you'd think, oh, well, you know, he probably had a big impact on the special effects of the film. He actually did not. He left it to, fuck, I forgot the guy's name. Um, <laughs> the guy who did all the effects from this film on. Um, but th- he left all the effects to him, except for th- he designed the Chatterer Beast. Okay. And uh, he his vision of it was that it was basically like a, a car wreck in which like this dog and human had then been like kind of mushed back together after a car hmm. wreck. Because it is a per- hmm. it is a, a guy in a suit like that. Yeah. That, that's a, a human in a dog suit. Uh, but yeah, it, yeah, it doesn't make a ton of sense in the plans of world domination to use. The twin guys who have to separate to kill you, or the <laughs> the dog man? Why, like, so you mean the twin guys who were just five minutes ago just cops? Yeah, well, just security, security guards. Yeah, uh-huh. seemed like pretty normal dudes. That yep. I got no indication that they wanted pain and pleasure intertwined <laughs> for eternity. Yeah. Like I didn't really get that impression out of them. It seemed like they were just kind of clocking in, doing the job, right? Yeah, I think like I think we have to accept that you know, to kind of introduce the idea that even though uh Kirstie didn't um ever intend to open the box, she keeps being there when the box is open, so they kind of yeah. still pursue her. Um and then three, they kill a bunch of people that didn't open the box. It kind of does seem like, yeah, they've they've gone from the the re, the religious, maybe more central or more uh, centrist idea of like, yeah, we you know only dole out pain and pleasure to those who open the box. To actually, we could just dole out pain to anybody when we maybe come anybody. Out. It's kind of it's kind of yeah. fun when you get down to it, honestly. Right, and then this one, it's like, well, actually, if we could do that, we could take over the world. So there Maybe is it's a like, logical you know, progression. In like churches in America right now where they're like, numbers are getting low, guys. We got to go turn some. We right. We got to get some people in the seats. Yeah. Yeah. We, we got to go turn some. Yeah. <laughs> like vampires. I love that. Yeah. That's what them <laughs> Cinnabots is doing, ain't they? Yeah, it is true. So, I yeah, I think it, although it's not the way I think Hellraiser should play out, it is the way it's played out, and um, yeah, they can make Cenobites out of people who don't seem to be even slightly interested in being Cenobites. <laughs> <laughs> what a bum deal. You, you, they're essentially press-ganging people into becoming Cenobites. Yeah, but I mean, he does... Oh, well, shit, that might be in the work print that I watched, but... He do, He and Angelique are having the conversation because, as I said, it that Kevin Yeager's original was more of a these two debating about 
which side is correct using temptation or just pure, you know, torture. Um, and I like that. That's very cool. It is cool. But he does say to Angelique at one point that basically you you can work with me or you can work for me. Uh, yeah. And so, like, there is an idea then that there are Cenobites who are on his level and there are Cenobites who are enslaved. And I guess so, because that that is something I thought was kind of lame, is that Angelique seemed to be this, like, demonic, evil presence of her own, but then in the future, she's, like, kind of sidekick to Pinhead. Yeah, that, that irritates me in both versions, in both the theatrical and the work print version, that there is no full indication as to why that happens, but uh-uh. it the work print does make it clearer that... In the end of the 90s bit, she gets, like, pulled into the box. So now she's kind of, like, under Pinhead's control anyway. Okay. Because she's been pulled into the box. Hmm. Uh, So, again, it doesn't explain, like, what fully happens there. But basically, he has enslaved her by her being pulled into the box. But it's still weak. And there should have been more of a like climactic battle between the two that resulted in her, I guess, pledging herself to him or whatever. Yeah. Becoming subservient or something. Because there is, there is stuff in the space bits that kind of show that maybe she still has a bit of herself there and she's not entirely just, you know, the same person as, as pinhead is like all the other Cenobites seem to be. What do you think about her look where she's got these strips of skin hanging off her noggin that's kind of <laughs> stapled to her shoulders a little bit? What do you think about that? <laughs> uh, it's apparently inspired by Sister Act. <laughs> what? No. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. He, apparently, yeah. The the special effects guy saw you know the, the nun's habit on the Sister Act poster, and he was like, ooh, we could do like a nun's habit type of thing. So inspired loosely by Sister Act, more inspired by the appearance of the nun's habit. So... It I was just thinking if she was like, if she was after me, I'd just run into like some densely overgrown woods or something. Can you imagine right. some tree branches and stuff? She'd getting get hung caught on all, that on all nonsense? sorts of shit. Yeah. She wouldn't oh, be able man. to get to you. <laughs> Dude, there's no way that that well, stuff listen, would be getting in the way of every witch thing. You could do that with literally any Cenobite. Goths don't go in the woods. That's true. All them buckles and straps is getting yeah. caught on everything. Pinhead's, he's chasing you. He sees you run into the woods and he just drops to his knees and he's like, no! <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I did really enjoy seeing how confused he was after the hologram guy disappeared. He yeah. didn't even look angry. He just kind of looked around like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. What? That's never well, happened before. <laughs> yeah, and that that is a good, like, again, that's probably Doug Bradley putting that spin on it. Like, how, hell, like, how pinhead would react because he wouldn't think i'm about to die ever like that would never cross his mind so they're like he's he's thinking like huh weird like he's not really he's not worried about it he's he just kind of reacts to it as though that was strange yeah what do i do next <laughs> i'll tell you another thing that was kind of strange is like they're at the end of the movie whenever he's getting like laser blasted <laughs> yeah and he's like, oh, you know, the lasers are like uh-huh. evaporating or whatever. Considering like how into pain and torture he obviously is. Right. <laughs> he should be like, this think- is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to say like, what if there's a different cut? He's like, oh, 
Harder, keep going. Ah! Oh, more. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and like Marchant and um, Rimmer, more on Rimmer in a second. Rimmer. Uh, just look at each other and they're like, oh, yeah, just go ahead and do it. Get this over with. Blast yeah. him. Yeah, blast that up. <laughs> just get him. Get him. A little more. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah, let's, Rimmer. Talk, let's talk about Rimmer. Uh, beautiful. I barely know her. <laughs> huh? Huh? beautiful woman uh they they played so there were there were more women characters in the original script and basically they ended up like cutting so many of them that they then decided like well we should make one of these space cops uh, a woman space so force rimmer uh, a woman rimmer <laughs> is her name now- Here's what I wonder about. Do you think that that's a family name? Like a lot of Anglo-Saxon yeah. names that are born out of a profession. Do you think she comes from a long line of ass lickers? Is that the I deal? I hope so, honestly. Like, can you imagine? Like, because like, I, I know some people out there would be mortified, just embarrassed to the nth degree to know that their, their family was famous for ass licking. But to me, <laughs> that's like... Okay, other people are doing it. You're famous for it. Famous like, for it, dude. Like, you're so fucking good at it that people are like, okay, hold up. Uh, yeah, no, I know your boyfriend licked your ass. But this family? <laughs> this family? They made, that's, their, that's their whole thing, man. That's their whole thing. Do you think they ever, like, risked having their, their name eliminated when they married into the Tosser family? <laughs> <laughs> we don't toss. We rim. <laughs> <laughs> and don't even get me started on the, the illicit affair one of them had with the Fister family. No, <laughs> no penetration. <laughs> no, the Rimmers. That's what. That's one of their rules. No penetration. Yeah, we go in soft. The Fisters. They're all about going in really hard. We're not about that in this family. It's like a real Romeo and Juliet situation. Montagues and Capulets. The yep. Fisters and the Rimmers. <laughs> yep, the Fisters and the Rimmers. <laughs> Oh man, dude! Uh, Rimmer. They just—that was the name they landed on. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, but that's the thing. Like in a in a Clive Barker movie, that fu- that's great. But then they don't go anywhere with that. Like to just name her Rimmer is weird, right? Like to not yeah. then be like, oh, but she also no, she eats all sorts of ass. That would be a much more Clive Barker move. <laughs> I think. What if that's what happens at the very end is like after Merchant and Rimmer fly off in their spaceship together after they <laughs> eliminate like, Pinhead. All right, let's get like, at it. <laughs> stop your grin and drop out linen, sir. <laughs> I brought the grape jelly. <laughs> it's an alternate ending. Yeah, that's the alternate. I like that. I like it. It's great. They they do have the they have the trans conversation, which is like oh yeah, I thought That's it was interesting guards, for yeah. the you know because this is the Ace Ventura era of like oh my god I kissed a a trans person oh yeah boy, yeah I vomit everywhere whereas this like not to say it's a respectful conversation but it is a conversation like yeah well, I'd have sex with a, a trans woman which is i i would imagine the probably in 1996 when this was being made they were like haha that'll be a fun joke 
But from well, a 2020 that'll, that'll perspective, show his audience it's like how twisted he is. Right, he right. A Cenobite, <laughs> Exactly. Whereas, like from a 2020 perspective, it's just two guys talking about whether or not they'd have sex with a trans woman, and it's like, okay, yeah, got it. I gotta tell you, when that conversation started, I was like, oh man, yeah, where is like this, this gonna is gonna be bad, go? right? Then I was yeah. like, oh, huh. it's not. They're it's just, just like, kind of having a conversation. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, just a normal conversation. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah, that was surprising. Yeah. It was. Dude, whenever those two get like twisted into their uh, whatever face-to-face form, whatever it is that is going on there, how bad was that editing? It's like <laughs> it's it real shows bad. them. <laughs> it's real bad. And then there's skull masks that go on half their face. Then right. it shows us like spinning drills right. that are coming from somewhere and. Didn't they get wrapped around like a an old toilet paper roll or something? I don't. <laughs> yes, it's like what I don't the know. fuck? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense what's going on until you see the final product and you're like, oh, that's what all of that was. I guess oh, that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. There's several parts in this where like some gruesome stuff is happening and the editing is so fucking bad. I'm like, yeah. I don't know what just happened. I can't yeah. tell what was going on right there. Yeah, I would agree with that. I yeah, I think this this movie is like infuriating because there's potential there like even just watching the theatrical version i remember seeing it as a teenager and being like gosh i want to like that yeah because there's there's cool stuff to it but it's real it's real hard to watch even at 85 minutes it's a long movie for some reason god it feels long it feels so fucking boring like i cannot believe this is as short as it is but it just keeps putting dumber and dumber stuff in front of you just lazy like i don't know what happened because it's happened whatever you're watching a movie who cares like whenever uh um uh angelique is like down in that 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 building and she just like punches a hole in a concrete (laughs) pillar and she's like oh there's that box i've been looking for yeah Uh, okay so like you know this is a callback to three which yeah uh you know she just drops it in the foundation. So why not just have Angelique punch into the ground why instead not? of a pillar? If you're going to tie it in, sure. Yeah. So, yeah I, I, yeah, I don't get that. Because tying it in is a great idea. And, like, in general, the concept of this movie is a great idea. Just taking a little bit of the end of three to actually connect it all together as a franchise... And telling these, like, three generational stories about Angelique trying to tempt each of these merchant men, each of these toy makers, tying all that together and having Angelique and Pinhead as opposing forces against each other, like, all of that was a great idea. And then Weinstein just came in and fucking ruined it. And made it into something that is incomprehensible. It's just gibberish. Like, visual gibberish. It makes no sense, all of it. Totally. Some of the effects are okay. I, I yeah, do think I like that the practical the, effects. The Chatter Beast looks pretty cool. Yeah. There's, like, a, a decent skin rip later on with that one Space Force guy. Like, uh-huh. that's okay yeah, yeah. looking. That's, I like that. I think the, the practical stuff's good. The skin bag's cool. Yeah. How about the CGI, though? <laughs> <laughs> Right at the start of the movie, dude, we get that fucking short circuit ass Wally robot thing. Uh-huh. 
with I mean just straight up PlayStation One graphics. It is just yeah, it's dog bad. shit. And here's yeah. the thing about this too, man. It's just fucking frustrating. Is like rather than show us shitty CGI robot hands working this box that just looks like dick. Yeah. Um, they could have just given us like what they used to do back in the day. Like let's say with uh, Escape from New York and shit, where it's like I don't know. He's looking at a wireframe diagram of Absolutely. the hands opening a box. Yeah. Show me that I'm looking at graphics. Don't give me graphics and try to tell me I'm watching reality. There's an easy way around that. Uh, there, yeah. There were so many better ways to do that for sure, and not. I mean, it's still an era where what ninety six were relying on cgi that much was was a weird choice like yeah, it, but it's this just is not post good Jurassic park dude like, i know right so it should ugh, be, be a little it, bit better if you i mean if they had used it sparingly like they didn't need to show as much as they did if they had used it uh-uh. much more sparingly it probably wouldn't have been as a big of a problem but they used it way too much and it just looks bad I like the little he- head tilt that the robot does after the box opens, though. Yeah. <laughs> the robot's like, huh? <laughs> yeah, the robot's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> what is this now? Uh-huh. <laughs> so, I don't know. Some of the practical effects are pretty good. I mean, not like amazing or anything, but yeah, the CG and stuff and the editing even on the practical effects, just it just ruins it, man. And overall, mm-hmm. like th- this movie is ruined to me by just not giving a fuck about any of these characters. Like, no. They're, I know they're hard that, to care about. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is like, okay, when you think about the the Hellraiser filmscape, it's like the majority of the characters are living cigarettes of human beings. Like, they're mainly all <laughs> shitty, terrible people. <laughs> that's like, what even they're supposed the first, to be. Yeah, that's what they're supposed to be. But even like the first two, uh, Kirsty, Christy, whatever her name was, like. That's just a fine, normal character in the movie. That's kind of your gateway to finding some connection to this world of scuzzy people and sex demons and shit. And then in third and onwards, it's just like, I don't know, they're all shitty people. There's a box that kills them. I don't care. Here's your fucking movie. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that, that that is the series after a point where it's just, just, yeah, here's scummy people. And this one... The there's no real like human villain the entire time because Adam Scott dies early, the Marquis de Sade guy dies very early. It's it's just Angelique and Pinhead, and yeah, to not I don't know, it doesn't have the same vibe. It's weird though because I feel like after two. None of the movies ever again capture the same vibe of the first two. Not even close. Not even Not close, even but they're all trying. Close. They're all trying, trying and they really all hard. feel like, especially after after this one, five on, they all feel like fan fiction. They all feel like somebody who, who gets it in a way. They get some mm-hmm. part of it, but they some don't part of it, get yeah. the full feel of those first two movies. And I, I really hope that the newer one coming out kind of either captures that or gives us a new feel a new way to look at hellraiser 
I, I hope so, because you're right. Everything else feels like it was written by the guys who started Fight Clubs after they watched Fight Club. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the guys who were like, yeah, so Pinhead's real cool. And he like, <laughs> he like tortures people for being stupid or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah, man. Especially the really bad ones. He does like real bad stuff to them. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes other people that didn't do bad stuff, he's going to get them too because he's like bad, dude. Yeah, he's a bad dude, but he's cool like me. All you have to know about the lack of any sort of give a fuck in this entire series is just, you know, on your phone or whatever, just Google Hellraiser movie posters. Look at the posters. And <laughs> yeah. tell me if there is anything in any of the posters from like three onwards that can tell you a goddamn thing about what the movie is about. They're it's, all just, here's a picture of Pinhead's face. But green. That's it. Here's a picture yeah, of Pinhead's here's a red face, one. but blue. Here's a picture of That's Pinhead's it. face, but white. Yeah. it's Nothing it, about the characters. Nothing about nope. the story that the movie is going to tell. It's like, you're here for this guy, right? Well, guess what? He's in it. Yeah. Is here. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. I guess, I mean, you know, it's fair to say I'll never be a Hellraiser guy. I'll never be I mean, the I, guy who's like, no, the Hellraiser franchise, you really got to get into that. I know, dude. And I still love part one. I mean, I, I said that yeah. a week or two ago. We watched that, and I'm like, man, this is still a really fucking cool, grimy, dark movie with just a weird tone to it and some really weird concepts being explored, whereas yeah. all the other you know, supernatural slasher movies at this time were making Freddy the big bad. We're making Jason the big bad. Yeah. You know, what they did with Pinhead and his crew was a lot more ambiguous. It's like mm-hmm. they weren't even necessarily bad exactly but people used them for nefarious purposes that was such a cool angle around the entire 80s supernatural slasher thing yeah and then after that it's just just horseshit man just yep. fucking terrible absolutely just horseshit. this movie's no different man i i have no desire to watch this again anytime even remotely soon i mean no. even like shitty movies like halloween four and five yeah even I'll the one la- later on mm-hmm. that has fucking um oh damn it what's his name hot bot handsome face paul rudd paul rudd uh-huh. yeah the one that has him in it i'll still watch that shit it's horse yeah. shit but i'll still have it on because it's at least like kind of fun horse shit you get to see donald pleasant's like act like a complete fucking lunatic sometimes all right, right. I'll watch it. Yeah. This, I, I have no desire. There's no reason why I should do this again. No, there isn't. And there's no reason why you should f- watch the sequels necessarily. Even the ones no. that I think are better than the others are still worse than... <laughs> other stuff you could other watch stuff instead. you could watch. Yeah, it's just not worth it. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, I don't know. Do you got anything else you want to point out about this flick? Uh, no, not really. Other than just, you know, it, it, it's just so frustrating to know that we could have just had a good Hellraiser movie (laughs) and it was like already made. It was like already made. It was there. Right. To just, it was there, man. Yeah. I would love to, to like read the, uh, like, you know, the written adaptation or whatever. Sure. Of that, yeah, uh-huh. of that story. Like, I would read that in a book because everything that yeah. you're describing sounds pretty fucking cool. Yeah, it is. And like, that would have been a cooler movie than what we got right here. And I, I see reviews from people being like, oh, they should have just made it three movies. And I'm like, dude, this would be three really shitty movies. Like, the first one, the first the one would be good. Would be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that Nine, could be really good. One, don't fucking care. Uh, Space Force one, absolutely do not care. I do. I like the space bits, except I, I don't like the execution, but I like the idea of uh, 
the 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 space cube and all that stuff. I just think yeah. that's a later movie in your your franchise. Sure. Than, sure. than here than the fourth. So yeah, I th- I think it could have. And yeah, maybe three movies is pushing it because the '90s bit sucks. Yeah, it sucks. It, it's, it's just, just any boring. other average ass Hellraiser movie. Yeah, yeah. But maybe. Yeah, I mean, I really would have been more interested in seeing an 18th century France movie and then a space movie. Just you know, tie them together like you would tie any other Hellraiser movies together. But they don't have yeah. to. You don't have to have the 90s bit. You just don't uh-uh. have to. <laughs> no. I mean, honestly, if this movie would have been all set, yeah, back in France, and it is just about how this entire thing started, and this demon Angelique, that was kind yeah. of the, the eve of this entire, the Lilith of this entire right. Cenobite world being a part of Earth, and it didn't even have Pinhead in it, period. That'd be great. I would have been like, that's a cool little movie. It's just kind of like... Well, almost like uh, almost like how Pearl was for X, where it's like oh, yeah. it doesn't even mm-hmm. really pertain that much to the events of X. It's just no. a lot of backstory about this universe that you know already. I'd have been on board for that, but yeah, yeah as it is, this this movie sucks. Like I'll give it, I'll give it like a point and a half for the for the French parts that I think are kind of cool. Yeah, um, I think that those are all right, and again, explore some interesting things. So I'm gonna say this one lands at like a. Uh, I'll give I'll give it a, a half of a Doug Bradley point. I'm gonna give it two and a half stars out of ten. <laughs> half of a Doug Bradley point. Yeah, uh, yeah I think um, yeah, the movie that w- that we were presented with the theatrical film uh, for me is probably yeah two two and a half region. The the work print that I watched, as I said, like it's it's not like. High, ultra high quality. Somebody's obviously put a lot of effort into recreating the shooting script, but it's uh, it's not a movie you're going to sit down and be like, this is a feature film. There's a lot of sure. like, there's bits that have to be filled Use in. Use your imagination. Yeah. yeah. Um, but even that is probably a four, four and a half <laughs> in comparison to this. Like, Wow, man. Yeah, wow. so... Uh, this yeah, this film just sucks and sucks for no reason, really. Pretty much, man. We want to hear your thoughts about it over on our Facebook group, our Instagram page, our Twitter page, all of our social medias. You guys can find over on our Linktree page. Just look up Linktree Dead and Lovely. You'll find all the places to follow us and hang out with your boys and keep up to date on the meetup details and stuff that's coming up next month that we're very much looking forward to. Uh, if you like the show, you can rate and review on Apple Podcasts. I need more reviews, guys. Give I need us more reviews. of them. Do it. It just takes a second. Go on Apple Podcasts, review the show. And uh, also support us on the Patreon if you want to keep this thing a moving. We like yeah. to move it, move it, don't we? Uh huh. We like to move it, move it over on Patreon.com forward slash Dead and Lovely. Woo. Head on over there, become a patron on any level. You get access to our Patreon exclusive episodes, which include uh, me and Emily talking about uh, Simpsons Treehouse of Horrors episodes, and uh, me, me and Anna talking about uh, Hellraiser coming up. Uh, also, if you become a five dollar patron. You get to submit a movie to the Smoking Bowl, and then we Woo. draw from the Smoking Bowl once a month, and then we review the movie that we draw from the Smoking Bowl. We just did it for the movie Fresh, which was fucking awesome, uh, and we'll do it again at the end of this month, maybe with your movie title, and I'm pointing at you now. Yeah, you. That's right, you. Uh-huh. That's right. You, that person. The one huh? who's being pointed at. 
Mm-hmm. Or that the dog that's listening to the show right now. We could do Airbud. I don't know. <laughs> if there's a dog listening right now who can figure out Patreon and submits Airbud, we'll do it. You're a good boy, and we'll you are a good reward boy. that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you got five bucks. I mean, you got to do all that and have five bucks. Yeah, so. the, uh, the dog will need to have five dollars, yeah. A little bit of a problem, but I'm sure that there's a workaround. <laughs> so, yeah, support the show on there, and be sure to tune in uh, next week. We're going to be talking about Halloween kills in uh, right. celebration or anticipation or in fear of Halloween ends coming out. I don't know. Fear. <laughs> in fear. I'm so scared of it coming out. Oh, no. And again, we'll probably do, be doing a, uh, a Hellraiser mini-sode next yeah. week after we both watch that, too. So all kinds of stuff on the horizon. Hopefully everybody's enjoying spooky season. It's October as dang hell here in Tennessee. It is. It's fucking it's lovely. Yep. Oh, my God. It's been just a little nippy, just a little chill uh-huh. in the air out there. I see but the leaves changing, some stuff Woo. falling. It's nice. I love it. I'm a big fan of that. So hopefully you guys are doing good and have enjoyed this uh, installment of Dead and Lovely. We'll catch you guys next time. In life, I've been Uncle Ben. In life, I've been Hollywood Steve. We'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye. So the existence of virgin drinks implies that all drinks that contain alcohol are indeed fucked right yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah your your bartender has tenderly um taken the drink out back and wined dined and 69 it <laughs> hopefully consensually yeah uh-huh <laughs> Do you think that you that means you could like go up to the bar and be like hey barkeep give me a Shirley Temple and fuck her gently no oh. Oh, like dear. that sounds wrong. I don't think you should do that. Do not, do not do that. That will get you kicked out of a bar, probably. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. But you know what I think I am going to start doing is like usually if I go to a bar and I order like a like a Jack and Coke, I usually uh-huh. order like a like a double short, so it's like extra booze and less Coke. You know, right? I think I'm going to next time be like, give me a Jack and Coke and fuck the shit out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Just Make really sure give it's not it the virgin dick. at all. Just yeah, put exactly, the spurs man. to it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the hell out of that thing. Okay, <laughs> excuse <yeah>. me. <laughs> I, think you know, it. Make, I think they'll get it. I think they'll get it. Make it as non-virgin as possible is what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, oh! I thought you wanted me to like put my dick in your drink or something. Like, what if he just starts like stirring it with his dick and it's like, oh, well, here you go. I get this request for, right? often. <laughs> <laughs> I work for tips, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh. Ooh. Yowza. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, salty. <laughs> Turned out salty. Hmm.